the fire. Prioritizing your emotional well-being is not selfish. Of course, we do not only want to prioritize our own needs and never think of others, but simultaneously know that you're 100% deserving of setting healthy boundaries at work for you. In fact, our Christian faith demands that we do. Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today, talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, I'm Marie, and welcome to Through the Fire, where we are on the case talking about the tough issues in the culture today, facing them with some psychological and theological explanations and applications that we hope will bless you. And today, I'm going to share with you a topic I've given at various conferences as a prelude to a workshop. It is usually one of the highest attended when I offer it, and this is because when we look across countries and cultures to study human wants, we find that everyone pretty much wants the same things. Most people want a life worth living, relationships they find enjoyable, and work worth doing, meaning they find value and significance in the work they do. And even though these aspirations and wants may be more or less universal, they aren't automatically going to just happen to most people. These aspirations require a level of assertiveness that many people don't have because they were never taught how to have it. So I'm going to take the next 25 minutes or so to discuss what assertiveness is, how to get it, and how good boundaries help you to develop your assertiveness, and how assertiveness and boundaries applied properly will build your self-confidence. My goal is that you take what you learned today, and if appropriate, apply it to your life and or teach it to someone you know who could benefit from this information. So let's begin with assertiveness. What is it? What does it look like? My definition comes from Dr. Nathaniel Brandon, who was my mentor when I lived in Southern California. Dr. Brandon, in his book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, defines assertiveness as honoring my wants, needs, and values, and seeking appropriate forms of their expression in reality. For me to practice self-assertiveness is to live authentically, to speak and act from my innermost convictions and feelings, to think for myself, and to stand by what I think. That is the root of self-assertion. But before we delve into assertiveness, let's look at what not being assertive looks like. What are the consequences of lacking assertion? There's a lot of things that can happen and do happen when you lack assertiveness. One is, you will not get your needs and wants met. For example, if you are single and you are not assertive, you will not have the dating life you want. If you are married and you're not assertive, you won't have the partnership you desire. If you receive a job offer or promotion and the salary that is offered is lower than you would like, you will not seek action to negotiate. If someone makes fun of you or someone you're close to, you won't stand up for yourself or the one you care about. And you will probably spend a whole lot of time doing things you really do not care to do. Things that should be discussed will not get worked out because one of the key characteristics of people who lack assertiveness is that they don't address elephants in the room, whether it's out of fear of rocking the boat or not wanting to hurt feelings or causing further conflict. They do not speak their mind. Unfortunately, this is how small issues turn into larger problems. All of this generates a life of interpersonal conflict and repression that is dishonoring to yourself and can breed resentment 
and frustration with others. Nobody wants this. So this, then, is where we begin. We must ask ourselves, what do we stand for? What do we need and want? What do we value? When we answer these questions, we have a clear picture of who we are. We already know whose we are, but we need to have a definitive picture of who we are in our head and in our heart. The ancient Greek aphorism, know thyself, is literally the key to a meaningful life. Aristotle said, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Benjamin Franklin said, there are three things extremely hard, steel, a diamond, and to know oneself. What makes it so difficult? And how does self-knowledge relate to our spiritual life as Christians and ultimately to our salvation? Self-knowledge is a sum total of who you are as a person, not solely as a role or a hat that you wear as an educator, pastor, employee, musician, writer, engineer, son, daughter, brother, husband, wife. No, the work is difficult because it requires us to be brutally honest with ourselves, to look deeply into our heart and mind, and with the guidance of our Heavenly Father, to honestly discern our thoughts, words, and behavior. But when we do so, we may not like what we find. We may come to realize how limited our love is, how self-serving our beliefs and opinions are, how short our temper is, how skewed our sense of compassion, how much we are motivated by pride or by fear, how much we are controlled by guilt or by envy, how much we haven't forgiven. However, before we can begin to build successful relationships, we must have healthy self-esteem, which means believing in yourself, appreciating and valuing yourself, which means knowing oneself. Self-esteem develops when we are young and changes as a result of our life experiences and interactions with other people. For example, some causes of low self-esteem can include disapproval from authority figures or parents, emotionally distant parents, sexual, physical, or emotional abuse, contentious divorce between parents, bullying with no parental protection, academic difficulties, athletic difficulties, guilt associated with religion, social beauty standards. A person who does not have healthy self-esteem will often have a sense of or exhibit low mood or energy. They might avoid social situations, feel inadequate, compare themselves negatively to others. On the other hand, five markers of good self-esteem include a sense of security, knowing I'm safe, I'm not fearful in situations. I have a sense of identity, I know who I am. I have a sense of belonging and know that others accept and care about me. I have a sense of purpose, I know what I want to achieve and why I'm here. I have a sense of competence, I know I'm a capable person. So something to consider is how do you treat yourself? No one is going to treat you with respect if you're constantly denigrating and beating yourself up. Get rid of all those self-defeating thoughts in your head, such as calling yourself stupid, that won't help you express your needs effectively at all. Rather, acknowledge that you're imperfect. This humbled contrite condition will direct us to repentance, and the grace of God through Holy Communion will strengthen us to struggle against our obsessions and emotions to correct them, to heal them, and to grow in holiness. And the more we know ourselves, the more we will understand the depth of God's love for us, the more we will feel the pain of the cross, and the more we will rejoice in the victory and freedom of the resurrection. Yes, self-acceptance is acknowledging that we are molded clay, a creative work in progress, with a purpose. We are not perfect, and we are not finished. Research suggests that when we see ourselves clearly, we are more confident, more compassionate, and more creative. We make sounder decisions, build stronger relationships, and communicate more effectively. When you have awareness 
and acceptance, you're more likely to believe that you deserve to be treated well in relationships, making you able to ask for what you want and need. Start your self-assertiveness journey by answering these 10 questions. Number one, what am I really good at? Number two, what do I really value and care about? Number three, what type of work would I do for free? Number four, who are the most important people in my life and why? Number five, what events, activities, or projects make me feel relaxed? Number six, what does success mean to me? Number seven, what drains my emotional energy or truly stresses me? Number eight, what makes me sad, afraid, upset, or happy? Number nine, am I authentically projecting my real self to others? And last, number 10, how do I want to live my life? Reflecting on and answering these questions can help us set healthy boundaries. Setting healthy boundaries starts by knowing what you need, want, and value, and taking personal responsibility for it. When you answer these questions, you pretty much set the foundation upon which to build your boundaries. That way, you are living the life you want, not living the life based upon the expectation of others. Healthy and effective boundaries are your ability to protect yourself and communicate your expectations and limitations. It's not about defending yourself, being aggressive, or controlling what another person is doing. No, boundaries are statements of what you are responsible for in a relationship. It's about you being responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, perceptions, and actions in every situation. Boundaries are not about you controlling or being responsible for what other people think and do. Boundaries are not about you threatening or giving ultimatums or trying to change people. People change because they want to. We cannot make them change. Boundaries are not about you being responsible for how other people react to what you do or say or being responsible for the outcome in every situation. Yes, setting healthy boundaries does require assertiveness. Without it, Self-development and personal growth is impossible, and setting boundaries is beneficial far more than just defining our identity. Having them in place also limits our exposure to stress and the body's production of adrenaline and cortisol, which are the stress hormones. So healthy boundaries protect our emotional, mental, and physical well-being. This also helps us reduce our energy depletion because boundaries are the limits we set for ourselves that define what we're willing to accept from others, what people can expect from us, and what we are willing to tolerate. Establishing our boundaries can also help us make better decisions and feel more at ease in all situations and with all people because we know who we are and where we stand, and so do they. So boundaries promote a sense of autonomy. We can feel freer and less restricted. Another reason that doing this self-development work is so important is that research shows that unclear boundaries, particularly between work and home life, are linked to unhealthier lifestyles and lower sense of happiness, along with a higher risk of family conflict. We can avoid the feelings of resentment, disappointment, and anger that build up when limits have been pushed if we are better able to express our boundaries properly and assertively. When we have healthy boundaries, we're more likely to share personal information appropriately, not too much and not too little, which is important in personal relationships and in the workplace. I think of the incredible amount of oversharing taking place on social media, for example. When we have healthy boundaries, we're more likely to be consistent in effectively communicating our personal needs and wants. We're more likely to value our own opinions. 
we're more likely to say no when we want to. We're more likely to accept when other people tell us no. How do we appropriately and assertively express ourselves and our boundaries? Well, be honest, direct, and open about your feelings, opinions, and needs. State reasonable requests directly and firmly. State your goals or intentions in a direct and honest manner. State your point of view without being hesitant or apologetic. Being responsible for your own behavior will let you feel good about yourself. Be honest when giving and receiving compliments. Never put down a compliment and don't feel you must return one. Do not let your friends, colleagues, or others impose or force behaviors, values, or ideas on you that do not reflect who you are. But recognize and respect the rights of your friends, co-workers, and others. If you are upset with them, use I and we statements to express your feelings instead of blaming, finger-pointing, or you statements. For example, you might say, I was so disappointed that you went off script. It was is far better than saying an accusatory statement such as, how could you have done something so stupid? Learn to say no. Do not apologize and do not make up excuses. Paraphrase the other's point of view. This will let her or him know that you hear and understand the request. Avoid why questions. Why questions can be perceived as defensive. Remember proxemics, too, your tone of voice and body posture when communicating. Ask a question. For example, what do you think of whatever it is that you propose as an alternative? But do remember, however, you're not asking for permission in regard to your decision or statement you're making. For boundaries to have a strong foundation, we need self-acceptance and to show ourselves a bit of love. If we have a narrative in our head that says we're worthless and undeserving, then we're going to find it difficult to put boundaries in place that protect ourselves. We need to have some self-worth and self-value. We get that by doing more of what feeds our spirit and our heart, such as painting, writing, running, singing. Investing in ourselves in this way releases feel-good hormones that can make us feel uplifted and worthy. And know this. Once you've set and enforced your boundaries, you may begin to experience some guilt, regret, and even question them. These feelings are totally normal. Allow yourself to sit with the guilt, remorse, and discomfort and recognize that it's normal and then do your best to let it go. Believe you are worth it and stay consistent. Boundaries can be uncomfortable in the beginning, but just because you feel guilty setting a boundary does not mean it's wrong. You're also more likely to receive some pushback. Most people do not like change. Everyone, especially in families, has a role. And if you change, you shake that system. Remember, prioritizing your emotional well-being is not selfish. Of course, we do not only want to prioritize our own needs and never think of others, but simultaneously know that you're 100% deserving of setting healthy boundaries at work for you. In fact, our Christian faith demands that we do. So be kind to yourself as you learn to act in alignment with your beliefs and values and know that you'll be better for it. Again, although it may seem counterintuitive, good boundaries are not limiting. They don't restrict your ability to fully interact with others in a way that fully respects you as a wholly developed person. They create a permeable barrier behind which you can enjoy the freedom of action to explore and become the real you. Well-defined boundaries allow you to show up more assertively, authentically, and act with courage and honesty because you are taking ownership of your own actions, emotions, and feelings without taking ownership of the actions, emotions, and feelings of others. The more you practice establishing well-defined boundaries, the more people will treat you as a worthy, self-respecting individual, and the stronger your confidence and self-esteem will become, all to the long-term benefit of yourself and those you love. 
The stronger the self-esteem, the stronger the boundaries you can implement. So to recap, what will assertiveness and good boundaries do for you? They will enhance your communication skills, allow you to feel self-confident and autonomous, increase your self-confidence, help you to gain the respect of others, improve your decision-making ability, enhance your relationship with yourself and others. Listen, we have limited authorship in what happens to us in life, but we have authorization and authorship in how we experience it. Remember, you matter. There is no one else like you. You have a purpose, something you alone can offer and bring to someone else. And always remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world, the one that burns and consumes and the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, Little Embers, I'm Marie. See you soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org.